Get informed, get inspired, and get connected. CannabisRadio.com presents NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice. The National Cannabis Industry Association is the only national trade organization representing the businesses of the legal cannabis industry. NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice covers a range of topics, including the rapidly evolving political and policy changes that affect our industry, news and events of importance to cannabis professionals, and features on companies, individuals, and campaigns at the cutting edge of the cannabis industry. NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice begins now. Hi, everyone. Thanks for tuning in, and welcome to NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice. I'm Michelle Rutter, and I'm the Government Relations Manager for NCIA, and I'm joined here with NCIA's Director of Government Relations, Michael Correa. Hey, Michelle. It seems like it's been forever since our last one. Um, to the listeners today, I just we are joined by Rod Elliott, the Senior Vice President of Global Public Affairs uh, in Toronto, uh, Canada, and one of the topics we wanted to talk about was uh, Canada um, and the opportunities that it's going to present. As a lot of people know, this summer uh, they're going to be start starting the implementation of legalization and will be a world leader on the issue, and we thought there would be a great opportunity for our listeners to learn a little more about uh, the st- the, the country and what's going on and the effects it will have in America. And so looking forward to hearing from Rod. So Rod, welcome. And can you tell us a little about yourself and tell our listeners about uh, global public affairs and what it is you do? Yeah, sure. And thanks so much. Um, well, here's where I, can, I should maybe start. So my background uh, in this sector came about uh, basically after 20 years. So as a student, I took a real interest in cannabis policy uh, when I was at university. Um, wrote a couple papers on decriminalization and legalization of cannabis. Went off, graduated university, started working for a major Canadian bank. Went off, did some work in politics, working for the Ontario Attorney General uh, in the province of Ontario. Uh, and then landed at Global Public Affairs. Um, Global Public Affairs, we're a lobby firm uh, and, uh, and basically uh, had been working on a lot of health and life sciences files, as well as a couple of other you know, interesting files over the past few years. Um, in the past couple of years, though, we just kept getting more and more phone calls about uh, cannabis. Uh, and specifically, a lot of it had to do with uh, companies in Canada trying to get uh, become licensed producers under a federal uh, licensing regime for uh, medical cannabis companies. So, um, the, the long and short of it is, uh, there became uh, when Prime Minister Trudeau uh, was elected and uh, made a promise that he was going to legalize cannabis. Uh, we went from kind of servicing a lot of cannabis qu- clients quietly behind the scenes at Global Public Affairs to becoming one of the first Canadian public affairs companies to fully launch a cannabis um, sector-focused practice. That's good. So I was going to ask about the the role the group is playing, and so you're basically saying it's changed over time, uh, you know, going forward. Yeah, it really has, and um, it really should, you know, pay tribute to a lot of the cannabis activists in Canada who really have fought hard, not only through uh, lobbying, uh, but also through the courts over time to get to the point where I think Canadian politicians uh, were able to take the brave leap to go from a thing that we know is going on to 
okay, uh, this is going to become uh, normalized. Uh, There's broad public support for people to use cannabis, either medically or recreationally. So let's try and figure out a way to legalize it uh, that will, um, you know, create not only an uh, an industry uh, but a legal way for consumers and uh, patients at the end of the day to uh, to get easier access to cannabis in a regulated way so I think it'd be really helpful um, for our listeners if you could just tell us a little bit of background about uh, what's currently happening with cannabis in Canada you know when it's going to be legal um, and how you guys sort of made that big jump from um, medical cannabis to adult use now yeah, so really great question. Um, I guess one of the things uh, that's a little bit different in Canada to compared to the United States is in the United States, the movement for legalization has really been at the state level, and it's been, it's been tried to drive up from a local level to the state level up to the federal level. Uh, what's unique about Canada is we are the first country in the world to not decriminalize but legalize cannabis at the federal level. And and what really has occurred is it's now being driven down to the provinces and to the municipal level for implementation. So we had cannabis legislation that was passed just before Christmas. That bill is currently sitting in the Canadian Senate where it needs to be studied. Uh, it is anticipated that we will have legalization sometime in July of this year. Uh, so it really is truly an exciting time, but there is still a lot of work that needs to be done, uh, particularly uh, on the distribution end, and uh, that's where the provinces are really trying to work hard to, in order to meet this legalization deadline so that uh, people will have access to the product through uh, safe and legal channels. Fantastic. And when are sales going to officially begin in Canada? Yeah, so we're thinking July. We don't have an exact deadline because, unfortunately, the way the Canadian Senate works, it's not like by July 1st this will be legal. There are some uh, still some questions and some stalling that is potentially going to happen as they study the bill. So what the government has said, initially they came out and said it would be July 1st of 2018. They've kind of backtracked on that and said it will be summer of 2018. And if I were a betting man, it will kind of be phased in over the months of July and August. Gotcha. So you sort of touched on this earlier, and this is one of the things I'm most interested um, to hear and learn about from you as well, is um, what are some of the notable uh, similarities and differences between Canada's um, model and some of the states here in the U.S.? You mentioned that, you know, the movement's been slightly different here, that it's been more of on a state-by-state -state basis. Um, so that's obviously one of the differences. But what are, what are some of those notable um, differences? Yeah, two things, and uh, I think that are really unique in Canada. Number one, the government is really trying to drive legalization from a public health um, policy framework. So their uh, kind of mantra, in, as they've been legalizing, has been, we're, we want to legalize, but we don't want to promote cannabis. So some of the uh, rules and regulations uh, and laws that are being passed are really going to, uh, to be, uh, I guess, frank, take a little bit of the fun out of cannabis, take a little bit of the cannabis culture uh, that so many of your listeners, I think, probably, uh, uh, you know, are involved in. Um, 
and really, uh, uh, while we're still trying to debate it, they're really trying to essentially put uh, put restrictions on the promotion of cannabis. So, give you an example: uh, in the United States, uh, Snoop Dogg is a brand ambassador. Um, up in Canada, uh, there would not be allowed any celebrity endorsements. Um, you couldn't have things like a uh, cannabis uh, stadium. Uh, up in Canada. So you won't see Canopy being able to buy the rights to a stadium. So they're taking less of a free market uh, approach that we've seen work really successfully in uh, in Colorado, states like Colorado, and, uh, and, and restricting it. Um, having said that, I think another uh, key difference, so what we've seen is we've seen a split where half of the provinces, basically from Ontario East, are actually going to be running government state-controlled cannabis stores, uh, which has been uh, really heavily criticized. Uh, that you know, why should the government be responsible for selling cannabis uh, when the private sector could do it? West of Ontario, uh, we're going to see, I think, a much more free market approach. But regardless of whether it's a private distribution model or a government or state-run distribution model, the marketing restrictions. Uh, are really still uh, a very, very big concern for the industry. I was going to ask about uh, just economic impact, and one of the things that was going to touch on tourism, and in what you said, promotion of cannabis, uh, can- cannabis, that got me thinking. So if if Canada, you know, eventually will be possibly a world leader in a destination, will the state be able to market on any level like hey americans come to canada or is that something that the state won't be able to do will they not you know like a lot of states will uh, use it as a a tourist destination will canada be able to market it internationally on any level yeah a really great question mike and i think the way i would answer that is not initially but i think as legalization occurs and normalization occurs I think there might be more of an openness to that. So, for example, California is known as being a great wine region. Uh, up in Canada, there's a Niagara on the Lake is known as be and market it and support it as a great wine region. I think a lot. I think maybe down the road we'll see a time where Canadian governments, tourism boards will be looking at promoting um, uh, Canada as a destination for folks who are interested in having a great experience with Canadian uh, uh, made and homegrown uh, cannabis. Uh, But I think it's going to take a little bit of time. Uh, We're really kind of ripping the Band-Aid off for legalization. And as as time progresses, I think people are going to be a lot more comfortable with it. And, you know, we're really still trying, you know, as as open and as... uh, uh, as uh, as accepting as Canadian politicians are now being towards cannabis, there still is some stigma to overcome. We we have really, um, you know, we were really impacted as well by the Just Say No campaigns that were run south of the border in the 1980s. And, you know, we're really tearing down, I think, 60 uh, odd years and uh, of propaganda uh, or more around what really is a really safe uh, substance and and which a lot of people not only get functional benefit out of medicinally but also get a lot of fun out of recreationally 
So we're going to take a short break, but when we come back, we'll be joined by Rod Elliott of Global Public Affairs. So don't go away. We'll be back in just a few. NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice will return once we give a voice to our sponsors. Introducing 420 Cloud, ignited by MSIG, one of the fastest growing social apps around. The only app you'll need for all things cannabis. Find the latest cannabis news, videos, and stories, ranging from business and tech to sports and medicine. Start your career in cannabis by seeking, identifying, and applying for jobs through our expansive listings. For businesses, 420cloud.com features a full-scale cross-channel network, monetizing high traffic for big data conversion and analytics. Download 420 Cloud now from the iTunes Store or Google Play. MSIG.com is a publicly listed company on the OTC. Symbol MCIG. At Alternative Vibes, our core values of quality, loyalty, respect, and honesty guides us in our mission to help families find peace and harmony through our products and services. Whether you are looking for a more natural way of living, shopping essential oils, topicals, and edibles, or searching for a path towards achieving your goals, we are your choice. Learn more about our complete line of natural products and solutions at AlternativeVibes.com. Bringing quality of living to life. AlternativeVibes.com. Cannabis concentrates have been around for hundreds of centuries. In 19th century America, extracts mixed with other herbs were sold as a miracle cure. Now, Apex Supercritical has elevated the science of extraction into the 21st century. Apex Supercritical is the leader in CO2 extraction, which is the cleanest, safest, and purest way to extract plant oils. ROI in as little as three weeks. Our cost-effective systems are fully automated with an industry-leading three-year warranty. And if we don't have your system in stock, we can build one in as little as four weeks. Bringing CO2 extraction to the masses. Learn more at apeksupercritical.com. Four-week build excludes high production systems. Learning the benefits of proper nutrition, supplementation, and personal development to live a healthy and abundant life. Awaken, adjust, and aspire. High on Healthy. Mondays on Demand. Only on CannabisRadio.com. Get informed, get inspired, and get connected with more of NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice, only on CannabisRadio.com. So we're back from the break. Thanks for tuning in to NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice. If you're just joining us, I'm Michelle Rutter, and we're here with Rod Elliott, the Senior Vice President of Global Public Affairs based in Canada. Um, So, Rod, right before we went to the break, um, you sort of touched on this, and and this is, again, one of the, the big questions that I've had, is how has legalization in the United States influence influence cannabis policy in Canada? And then on the flip side, how do you believe full legalization in Canada is going to impact the United States? Yeah, a really great question. Thanks, Michelle. Um, I think a couple of things. Number one, in the United States and in Canada, law enforcement for a long time played the key role in making policy decisions around cannabis. Uh, And I think that's changing. And I think that has occurred in Canada. And uh, some of the folks who are most vocally supporting now of the legalization of of cannabis are actually former law enforcement. And I think uh, for uh, legalization to occur in the United States, I think that that hopefully that will seep over the border. So people will stop looking at people who want to consume cannabis as criminals and look at them as individuals who are either patients or people who are simply choosing to consume a different substance than alcohol or tobacco. So I think that's really impactful. I think the other thing 
which is could really impact uh, the United States in terms of legalization in Canada is uh, the uh, access to uh, uh, banking services uh, as well as the access to uh, raising capital. So uh, in Canada, most of the large Canadian cannabis companies are listed, publicly traded on the Toronto Stock Exchange or other exchanges in Canada. Um, I think that has really been lacking in the United States. And I think one of the things that that gives Canadian cannabis companies uh, an opportunity for is to, to have greater scale, uh, to be able to scale up uh, to a national level and then begin to look at opportunities in cannabis globally. And I think for the United States, once, uh, once law enforcement and politicians are comfortable around legalization of cannabis at the federal level, it will very quickly open up at the federal level for access to banking services and access to uh, raising capital. And I think that will have a tremendous, tremendous benefit once folks up in Canada realize, or sorry, uh, once people down in the States realize that you can, that Canadians have figured out a way to create an industry uh, that really uh, there's nothing stopping the Americans from doing other than just having the political will to make the decision. Yeah, one a wonderful response. I, you know, I you mentioned the '80s. I grew up in the "Just Say No" '80s, um, and I wanted to talk a little about just polling and support. Um, how has you know? I've always looked at Canada as being sophisticated in their discussions and policy discussions. Uh, how has polling? Uh, evolved over the years has it been steady uh has it has it been trending along with polling in america where you've seen this uh a rapid rise over the past couple of years have have they have have canadians always been open to cannabis uh well canadians have always been very open to cannabis and uh, particularly uh there's a very strong cannabis culture that's developed out of british columbia uh and also uh, in certain pockets of Ontario, thinking, uh, you know, some urban areas in downtown Toronto, like Kensington Market, where really a lot of people who've been involved in wanting to uh, uh, safely and legally consume Canada have been operating in kind of a gray market for many years. Um, overall, Canadians are really acceptant and tolerant people, and I think they're also very compliant people. So, what we've seen is exactly what's happened in the United States, a trend line up where cannabis is uh, overall being supported by the general public. In Canada, if you look at the polling numbers, it's a little over 50%. And, you know, I think most studies will tell you once once you get broad public support over 50% into the 55% range is when you really get social acceptance. And I think once legalization occurs in Canada after July – People are going to realize, wow, uh, you know, suddenly not much has changed uh, because the fact of the matter is, is a lot of Canadians are currently smoking and consuming cannabis right now, and they're going to continue to do it after it's legal. And I think that will be a real lesson for uh, people in uh, the cannabis sector, uh, as well as people who, you know, in the public health sector, in law enforcement to see Hey, you know this really isn't that big a deal, uh, and in fact, uh, and in fact, hey, there really is a great opportunity for us to uh, build an industry around this, build jobs. Um, 
one of the things that really has has taken hold in Canada is that a lot of the uh, licensed producers are now setting up in what have been traditionally been uh, Rust Belt towns. So a town like Smith Falls, Ontario, where Canopy uh, has set up their operations, had really been decimated by globalization. A lot of the manufacturing, traditional manufacturing jobs had left. And what's really happened is it's created an economic boom in a lot of small towns. And, and that's really, really also changed, I think, a lot of perceptions uh, in Canada with the population and, and around acceptance of it is, you know, not only is smoking cannabis safe, it can be very enjoyable, it can be very beneficial to our health, uh, but it's also a great economic development tool. So, Rod, I've heard about um, some mergers recently and some big companies that are making a lot of, a lot of moves up in Canada. I was wondering if you could tell us uh, any more about that. Yeah, it is an exciting time, and what we are really seeing in Canada is some exciting uh, opportunities around companies that are looking to merge. So uh, we're seeing uh, M&A activity uh, very rapidly occurring. We had a major transaction, the first billion-dollar takeover of a cannabis company when Aurora took over Canamed uh, to create really the largest ca- uh, cannabis company in Canada. And uh, yesterday... We saw Freya spend uh, almost $126 million to buy another cannabis company. So what we're going to see in Canada is we're going to see some of the smaller companies uh, rapidly being gobbled up by some of the larger companies. And I think uh, it's a really, really interesting time if you're holding cannabis stock up in Canada. You mentioned building the industry, and I just wanted to talk about investment and opportunities. I think it was Constellation Brands just made a big investment up there. Uh, what are, you know, and I actually don't know this, what are going to be um, a hindrance to investment into Canada across borders? Are there any? And Do you see, uh, is it going to be uh, open to investment from other countries? Yeah, so really great question and one which I've learned quite a bit about this past year when I've been working with American companies that are looking at investing in Canada and Canadian companies that are actually looking at learning from states like Colorado and California and looking to do joint deals and how how, how they can structure it. So I think the best advice I would give anybody in the United States that's looking to uh, invest in Canada is first of all, get good legal advice. Um, and and what we're increasingly seeing, and I think we'll see uh, very quickly, is you'll see a lot of uh, Canadian companies uh, doing joint ventures with American companies, specifically around intellectual property uh, associated with things like marketing, branding products, technology that's been developed, uh, uh how 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 American companies have successfully set up cannabis uh, dispensaries. Um, so I think you'll see a lot of that initially, those deals being done and investments being made in those types of transactions. Anything obviously involving moving product across border is a big no-go zone right now, um, with the exception of hemp, which uh, we're really starting to see a lot of Canadian companies looking at exporting opportunities into the United States. Okay, and with that, we're going to take another quick break, but we'll be back in just a few, so don't go away. NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice will return once we give a voice to our sponsors. Introducing Blue Moon CBD. 
straight from the bluegrass of Kentucky. With our special nano emulsion process, you'll not only get the best CBD available, you'll get more of it. Not all CBD is the same. It's your body. It's your choice. Get relief from inflammation, anxiety, and stress. Go to www.bluemoonhemp.com and use code HEMP420 for a 20% discount on your order. Balance your body. Balance your life. Make it Blue Moon CBD. The smoke is rising, and the next crop of podcasts devoted to cannabis providers and enthusiasts are ready to be harvested. Welcome to the Cannabis Radio Network, founded by respected rainmakers who have been producing award-winning podcasts for over a decade. Industry headlines, business updates, medical reports, marketing, and e-commerce education rolled up perfectly for your consumption. Let's grow together. The Cannabis Radio Network. CannabisRadio.com. Ignite the conversation on some trending topics along the Cannabis Radio social media network. Join our crew of thousands on our Cannabis Radio page on Facebook or at Canna Radio, C-A-N-N-A Radio on Twitter. Plus, look for our Facebook and Google Plus pages for all of our original programs and connect with Dr. Dina, Kyle Cushman, Dr. Mitch Earlywine, Nurse Heather, Doc Rob, the host of Gondrepreneur, and more. Connect with the growing Cannabis Radio social crusade at Canna Radio on Twitter or search for Cannabis Radio on Facebook, Google Plus, and Instagram and grow with us. Look at how people are transforming cannabis from the shadows of the black market into a cash crop that draws in cannabis from Hollywood to Wall Street. Lewis Goldberg and Ann Donahue prove the green rush is real. Wednesdays on demand only on CannabisRadio.com. Get informed, get inspired, and get connected with more of NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice, only on CannabisRadio.com. We're back from the break. Thanks for tuning in to NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice. If you're just joining us, I'm Michelle Rutter, and we're here with Rod Elliott, the Senior Vice President of Global Public Affairs based out of Canada. Um, So, Rod, I'm curious uh, to know... Do you, is there any record of the number of jobs that are currently filled by people in the medical cannabis industry in Canada? And sort of has there been any talk about what the potential um, for number of jobs is going to be uh, in the adult use market? Yeah, it's a really great question. And people have probably not quantified it as much in jobs as in much as in, much in uh, economic opportunity. So the market in Canada is going to be in the billions. Canada as a country is, from a population base, is about the size of California. So if you're looking to compare kind of what the market opportunity would be in Canada, I would look in as California as being a pretty good comparison. But what, what we're really finding is that the jobs that are being developed in cannabis are actually good quality, high paying jobs with benefits. So we're seeing people with scientific background. We're seeing people uh, with uh, horticultural background. We're beginning to see Canadian community colleges beginning to create certificates in cannabis cultivation. We're really starting to see hopefully some high-value jobs of the future being developed around the sector. Uh, On the medicinal side, um, I think what we're really starting to see is a real expertise. And I think where there's a real gap 
between patients who need access to uh, to cannabis for uh, whatever they're trying to treat is they need to be put in contact uh, with uh, cannabis experts who can direct them to the proper strains, the proper dosage, and the proper way to consume cannabis cannabis to most benefit benefit them. On the recreational side, it's a really exciting opportunity. And I think, uh, as Mike referenced earlier, we're starting to see other sectors, like alcohol, begin to look at cannabis uh, as a way that they can grow their business. So on the recreational side, I think the only thing that really is going to limit the market potential in Canada is going to be around this marketing and promotion of the product. Uh, but certainly, uh, the legal age to consume cannabis is going to be either 18 or 19, depending on what province you're in. And uh, I think there's really going to be uh, some tremendous growth uh, in uh, people who uh, are not only interested in working in the sector, uh, but also are going to have long-term high-paying jobs over time, which really is exciting. Uh, and uh, as somebody who, you know, has you know grown up in Canada uh, with a, an auto sector that's shrunk. Uh, it's it really is a great opportunity to see young people who will be able to have good high paying jobs uh, of the future. One, uh, I'm really looking forward. It's great watching this industry develop and watching history being made uh, as we go, which is amazing. One of the goals of this movement is to. Uh, create a tax and regulated legalized market that benefits society and makes the illicit market disappear and one of my fears are uh, uh, one of the fears is the policy people trying to tax the golden goose and using cannabis as a means to just raise money for general fund issues uh, and actually keeping the price so high it you know allows the illicit market to stay around and so do you have uh, any discussions on how or any ideas on how canada is going to be doing their tax and do they even care about that do they look at it as a policy issue or they just want to raise revenue so uh mike you've hit the nail on probably the biggest flashpoint challenge that folks in the cannabis industry are having in Canada, and it's around the taxation of the product as we move to legalization. So frankly, the government had in, has made a big error in that they're trying to tax medical cannabis. So they're trying to uh, uh, view cannabis uh, not as a, a true medical product that patients need, but they're looking at it more as a, a bit of a tax grab around medical cannabis. Um, created a huge backlash in Canada. And that's something that I think the government's going to need to address as they go forward is the taxation of medical cannabis. On the recreational side, I think they're probably going to, uh, at least in the initial stages, uh, look at taxing uh, in such a way that it's low enough that it will uh, the legal market will be attractive en enough for people who are currently purchasing from uh, a local dealer, a local friend in the neighborhood to say, oh, you know, I'd rather go into uh, to one of the local dispensaries where I'm going to get a safer product, uh, more education from staff around how the product's going to impact me. Um, so to your to, I guess, answer your question, taxation is 
probably the number one issue that people in Canada, uh, in the industry, and frankly, activists are concerned about right now. And if there's one area that I think that uh, folks uh, in the United States could learn as they're creating a regulated and legal market, it's really they need to get that taxation discussion started a lot earlier and engage stakeholders and make sure they get it right. That's one of the things is being able to learn from mistakes that have been done in the past. And so I totally agree with you. I know we're basically running out of time, almost out of time, but I did want to just make one comment. Your prime, uh, prime minister, Justin Trudeau, one, I just have to say I have a man crush on him. And I know uh, Michelle, Michelle is, uh, I just have a regular crush on him. <laughs> and so we, we have, we have two, two people here that just actually uh, love him and think he's great and glad he's taking the lead on this. And just wanted to say that if there are opportunities that he ever comes down to America and wants to talk on this issue, we'd be, NCIA I know would be more than happy to give him a platform to speak and and just wanted one to uh, thank you uh, for your time and if you just had any last comments um, before we go of, you know, uh, lessons learned or anything, anything takeaway. Well, first of all, when it comes to our Prime Minister, we've really, Canadians view him as a rock star. He's right up there with Drake and Justin Bieber in terms of <laughs> popularity, not only in Canada, but around the world. Um, uh, you know what? I think what is really important and one of the things that I've really learned is for people in the cannabis sector to really make a difference and uh, uh, is to reach out and educate their politicians. Um, the, the, the local politicians in Canada, the more they learn about cannabis, the more comfortable they've been. And I think the more communication, the more uh, organizations like yourself can be out there leading dialogue, not just amongst people who are already supporters, but really try and break down some of those barriers uh, and have uh, conversations uh, safe conversations with politicians, with law enforcement. I think the the sooner we uh, uh, can get those conversations going down south of the border, the sooner we're going to have a legal cannabis sector, uh, not only in Canada but North American wide. And and I think it's it will be good not only for patients, but also it'll be good for freedom. Um, we really need to uh, have a, a, a sea change in the policy discussion around. Um, incarceration of people over cannabis and I, I really commend uh, what they've done in California in terms of really looking to reach out to people who have been negatively impacted over the years and trying to make amends by allowing them access to the legal market and it's really that's the type of thing that's really going to make a difference so thank you so much for for having me on. Well, we couldn't agree more with you, Rod, and that is all the time we have for today, but thank you so much for joining us and for educating us on what's happening with our friends to the north, and uh, best wishes with implementation in, over the next few months. Okay, well, thanks so much. Uh, and to all of our listeners, don't forget to follow Mike on social media so you can keep up with what's happening here in D.C. You can find him on both Instagram and Twitter at The Pot Lobbyist. So thanks to all of our listeners. We'll, we'll see you next time. The opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com.
Any rebroadcast or redistribution without proper consent of CannabisRadio.com is prohibited.